Welcome to the Rev Sarah Shares podcast for Sunday the 19th of November, which is our gift Sunday, and so there is a theme of Christmas in our service. But we also look at what it means to measure church and whether we're using the wrong metrics, particularly when it comes to mission planning. It's an interesting travel through Matthew 25, a parable of Jesus. Hope you enjoy our wee service. What follows is our Intro, Bible reading, reflection, Bible reading, reflection. Good morning and welcome to worship on this Sunday the 19th of November. And yes, if you're watching this, you will see our Christmas tree. Some of our folks listen eh, on the telephone or on the podcast, so they won't see the tree. But we do actually have our first Christmas tree up. Now, before you think we've lost the plot, let me assure you that this weekend we had our Christmas fair. Next weekend is Presbytery, so we've had ours a week early. And so we had a fantastic day yesterday and we've left the Christmas tree up for our gift service. And it's a Sunday where we bring gifts that are shared with the Salvation Army and East Kilbride Community Food Bank as we help and support families in and around the parish of Calderwood and beyond. And wherever you might be in the world, I know that there'll be opportunities that you can give to wherever you find yourself. And I do encourage you to consider that if it's possible. But remember too, Christmas is about receiving and these gifts are given that they might be received by those in need. And remember, any of us can be at need at any point in time. And therefore, let's be blessed, whether we give or receive. So today we're thinking a little bit about Christmas a little bit about the Christmas season, the Advent season that is rapidly approaching. And we're pondering receiving and giving, conscious that Christmas often pushes us beyond our usually compassionate boundaries. (coughs) Excuse me. Overloaded as we are by Christmas magic advertising. What is it really all about? And later we're going to ponder how we measure church So Christmas features, but we're also really still thinking about the lectionary readings for this time of the year. Next Sunday is known as Reign of Christ the King Sunday. And so the readings over these couple of weeks really do start to think about the kingdom of God and build on those messages we've been looking at about what it means to be a Christian. So if we measure church, what if we took a step back and said, not all churches are created equal and that's okay. What does that mean? So we're going to be looking at the story of the talents, as some people know it, um, or the the servants who are all given responsibilities um, from Matthew 25. Today's first reading is from Matthew 25, reading verses 14 to 18. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. 
But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Thank you to Andy for sharing our reading and he'll be back just shortly with the next part of that story. But I really wanted to stop at that point and uh, explore just a little bit about whose Christmas it is. Because it's important on a day like today when we're thinking about giving to others that we really consider what Christmas truly is about. And of course, there's lots of um, ways that we could do that. But today I was thinking a little bit about adverts because obviously um, it's now come to that time of the year where we're seeing all the adverts for our big providers. So we have IKEA that suggests you could be the hostess with the mostess, or we see the food-based ones with those tables laden with food. I have to admit, when it comes to food, um, the, this time of the year is my favourite. I absolutely adore Christmas food. Mince pies, Christmas pudding, Christmas cake with marzipan, you name it, I love it. Um, I have to be careful like many of us do, but I do. I truly, truly love it. There is no such thing as too many mince pies as far as I'm concerned. And for me, my ultimate favourite advert has to be the Coca-Cola lorry. And I don't actually drink very much Coke, I must admit, but I love that big lorry and the whole idea that holidays are coming. And perhaps because it's one that's been around from my childhood. But then... Does that mean it's really Christmas? I haven't seen it yet this year, so perhaps we haven't quite got to the Christmas season yet. But I wonder whose Christmas it is. The story Jesus tells works on so many different levels and it can be hard to come to grips with it. There is a lot to tease out in this parable. He's talking about God and the future of God's people where we could be called to give an account of our actions. Did we help or hinder? Did we, were we generous or selfish? We can call ourselves Christians, but our behaviour suggests anything. Otherwise, the servants here are all given a task to do. And two out of three did well with the money that they were given, and the third one buried theirs in a field. At Christmas time, we too have an opportunity to fulfil the task we are given. The task that is, is to help others. It's like that, help our neighbours, you know, love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as you love yourself. And that means we need to think about, well, what does that mean at Christmas? Because if loving ourselves at Christmas means that we have all the best food, that we go to the parties, that we dress up nice, the um, holiday trips, that we have presents piled high for those we love and ourselves, then surely our neighbours should get that too. And the shelter campaign advert for this year, and I know it's shelter down in England that have produced this particular one, but it really struck a chord with me. And it makes me ask, how damaging are the messages that we put out um, that yes, come from our culture, but we also as Christians also embody them. And I wondered, Whose Christmas is it? If you haven't seen it, I'll put a link in the notes, but you can just look up uh, Shelter Christmas Advert 2023 and you'll find it. 
And if you've not seen it, the basic premise of it is that a child hears that if she's good, very, very good, that she will get what she wants for Christmas. And this young girl goes out of her way to be very, very good. You don't see her circumstances until the very end of the advert where she wakes up on Christmas morning in temporary accommodation, less than suitable for a young family. And my heart just goes out to her. And I know it's an advert, but it speaks to all these children who will wake up on Christmas morning looking for a Christmas miracle that simply won't happen. Yet at the heart of Christmas is giving and receiving. Jesus came as a gift from God, born not in a palace, but in a stable. And we should get more joy in giving than receiving. You know, we have made Christmas about being good and that if we're good, we'll get more. Jesus arrived as a gift when we were not good, when we were not perfect, when we did not deserve it. Yet we have made Christmas about how good you are reflects what you will get. His purpose wasn't to make our lives more comfortable, but to spread the love of God particularly with those who are oppressed by those who have more than enough. And that's why we have Gift Sunday, a reminder that actually it is more important to give than to receive. And as always, people have given generously. It's not that we don't have a heart to give. It's just sometimes we need to be reminded. The question is, can we carry it forward so that it isn't just a Sunday in the year? Whose Christmas is it? Ours or God's? Andy brings us the next part of our reading. Today's second reading, again from Matthew 25, following on verses 19 to 30. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even with what little they have, will have been taken away. 
Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. I've entitled our reflection, According to Their Abilities. Something that struck me in my reading. My favourite Christmas tale is A Christmas Carol. I've always loved that since I was a young girl and I have a very beautiful version of it at home. And it's a story that I've come back to and watched pretty much every single remake of it that you could possibly imagine. And it's a story that's had a significant impact on my understanding of Christmas. My favourite Christmas song as a child was Santa Claus is Coming to Town, always hoping, I think, for that right gift to be under the tree. And I can't say I always appreciated what my parents gave me. And it's that song that maybe nowadays I kind of wonder about its value. But when you know something so well, Sometimes you are surprised when it catches you out. Even my husband has that power still, but don't tell him I said that. This story is in the lectionary and Hazel picked it for today in our joint service planning. And it's a story that still surprises me. It's not an easy story to work with, but it still um, found a way of breaking through and challenging me in the wonders of that text. And that shouldn't surprise me because God does that all the time. God is not curtailed by my academic prowess or indeed the lack thereof. And his wonderful spirit speaks to me or encourages me to ponder. And you'll know by now, I love a good ponder. And the phrase that stood out for me was according to their abilities and I admit I am probably very sensitive at the moment about churches and about their abilities. Each servant was given their bag of silver according to their abilities. Well at least servant one and servant two but maybe not servant three. Maybe servant three was always doomed to fail and it's a challenging text because it speaks of the Lord as a harsh man who benefits from the hard work of others. And it, that isn't really how we portray Jesus, at least not usually. But what if the story, and let's remember it's a story, speaks to us about how we understand faith and how we understand church? We speak about love and compassion, about helping the poor, about welcoming the stranger and the oddball. We say that we don't judge and that God is good all the time. But then we moan loudly when it goes wrong. Our faces display our displeasure and our welcome sours when it's some kind of other that walks in the door. And yes, we're quick to say, well, that's not us. But this parable calls us to be honest. Indeed, next week's text pushes us even further to be very honest about whether our words and our actions add up. Too many Christians nowadays simply hide away the wealth of the Lord, burying it safe in a field somewhere, and will simply return it to the Lord untouched at the end of time, whether his or ours. We have our church, 
we have our safe place to practice our faith, say our prayers and tick the boxes of organised religion. We can say that we went to church every week, that we put food in the food box or we gave gifts. We filled in the forms and we paid the bills. The master, the master gave to each according to his ability. For the third servant, he gave one bag of silver. But what about all the other servants that didn't get anything? Therefore, even one bag could have achieved something. It's not enough to simply hide it away. And that's the important message of today. We might not have a lot to work with, but we worship a God who turned a packed lunch into a feast for thousands. We worship a God whose creation is full of excess, beauty, intricacy, music, colour, you name it. Too often we think that because we have so little, we must hoard it and keep it to ourselves, that we might survive until the day the master returns. Did the master know what it is the servants could do? Each according to their abilities. Some commentators say that the third servant was scuppered from the very beginning, but I don't think so. He was still given something. And I don't think it matters how much we've been given. It's our task to do the best we can with what we have. And that's why we must be careful how we measure success. In the church, especially nowadays, we are quick to measure success by the numbers of bags of silver that we have. But what if we measured success not by the amount that we have, but by the amount we have grown? So let me be clear, I'm not just talking about money, but it is a significant way that we measure uh, success, and certainly it's one of our chosen ways of doing it here in the presbytery. But where are the signs of life, of growth? Are there resources buried in accounts rather than used? It could be the smallest wee church with very little in the bank, but they've ended the year having spent it and made it back. It could be the wealthiest church, but they too have spent it and made it back by helping people, by supporting the community, by growing disciples and developing faith, and indeed, yes, by making money. So let's not judge based on what we have, but let's consider what we have done with it. Certainly the most spiritual church I was ever part of, and I've been to a lot, was at the time in a very poor part of Edinburgh with a small congregation, but boy, did they know how to pray. We could say, but there are too many people to help. We'll never get anywhere. And you're right. Jesus said we would always have the poor with us. And that is a prophetic, heartbreaking message that Jesus gave us. But it's very honest and very true. We will never solve it but we're not asked to. Each were given according to their abilities. Paul talks about us being gifted in different ways, some to be teachers, prophets, evangelists, pastors and pioneers or apostles. Yet he also speaks of us all belonging together and that our gifts are relevant when shared. 
I think we risk judging each other when actually it's okay for some to be all singing, all dancing, wealthy, whatever it is, and for some to be small and maybe not resource rich, almost unnoticed. If we were to accept that each church family, if we were to accept that each church family have been given according to their abilities, would we actually be less judgmental and much more open to the variety that exists within the church? Would we accept, to stretch Jesus' parable image a little perhaps, that there are five bag churches and two bag churches and one bag churches? And could we see that as a good thing? Could we see that as a good thing and not as a status symbol? If we measured by God's standards and not cultures, we would simply be pleased that God knows us well and knows what we are capable of and therefore resources us appropriately. And that is not a judgment. That is honestly recognizing who we are, where we are and what we can do. Is that possible? My first charge was rural, and I was convinced at the time that they could do with a community support worker. There was not a lot of, of community support available, and we could do with coordinating it with the larger towns. And an elder with a good heart said, you do know that we are not a city church. We are just a rural church. And I swear another elder sang the theme tune to Mission Impossible every time I walked past him, the numbers of times he told me that we could not do such things um, or that'll never work here. Do you know, they did get a part-time community worker and that role has grown and been shaped over the years since I left. And the role came into being and I'm just happy that they got the funding that they needed to make that happen. A vision becomes a reality. Imagine though, if I had accepted the believed reality that it was impossible for a wee rural church to do these things. In the story, the servant with one bag refuses to engage with the task in hand and is thrown out of the company of others. His bag is given to the servant who has 10 bags, given that they had now been doubled. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away from them. Now there's a whole risky line I could go down discussing churches like that, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to leave that hanging. We are blessed here at Moncrief. I really, really, truly believe that. Yes, we have our issues and arguably we are still facing an uphill struggle for our future. And we still have a lot to learn about taking what God has given us and doubling it, so to speak. The Lord, I believe, has a heart for Calderwood and for McCreef's place in that. And how the ministry and mission might grow even beyond the parish boundaries that we have. Perhaps we could help others across the world. 
Certainly those who call Moncrief family live within and beyond our parish boundaries and they are, you are, part of our family. We have received even more grant money this week for the community work that we are doing, for the Chill Out Club, for the Kettles On, Chat MPC and much, much more. Truly, more has been given, but with that comes the responsibility of doing stuff with it. We must refuse any temptation to hoard it or keep it or hide it. I have never worked quite so much with a congregation like this. I have seen it and I have helped in some ways to establish it across the years that I've been in ministry. But here, I have been very blessed to have a congregation that was well established in community work before I got here. What I see us doing would make the Master praise us, even if Presbytery hasn't quite grasped what we're up to yet. It may be that we are given according to our abilities. However, and this is important, we cannot become complacent or even worse, arrogant. Let us be deeply aware deeply aware that we are servants and not the master and that's a privilege and an honor and actually a huge weight off our shoulders if we were to think about that fully but we are not the master and he asks us regularly what are you doing with what i gave you what are you doing with what i gave you and will the lord judge us by our actions well he has the right to and if we become selfish with what he has given us, he will do so. I am incredibly grateful to the Lord for all he has given me and what he has given us. And I pray that we remember it's not how much we have, but it's what we do with it that counts. So whether you have lots or a little matters not. It's whether you invest it or hide it away. And remember, God knows that what we are capable of and he has given to us accordingly. And therefore, rather than measure congregations by the number of people or the size of their bank account, we need to measure as God does. What did you do with what I gave you? I wonder if we might truly have a mission plan if we did that. So I'm going to ask you, you could think of it as a practice session. <laughs> What are you doing with what God has given you? Are your talents, your wealth, your time, are they buried out of sight? Or are you investing them in his mission, his work, his church? And in reality, only you can answer that. Each servant in the story had to give an account of their actions. Each of them. None of them spoke for another servant. They all spoke up for themselves. And we certainly don't earn our way into heaven, but we will have to give an account of our behavior. What might you say about how you lived your dash? You know, that wee line between your date of birth and your date of death. God loves you, without a doubt, God loves you. But God also loves the people of Calderwood, that he has called us here to serve. And that will have a ripple effect as we continue to grow his church, his mission, his people. His message of love is to be shared in word and action 
not buried in a four walls of a church sanctuary. So let's keep our chin up, our hands open and our hearts soft and let's do the best we can with what God has given us and trust him to make miracles happen. Amen. Thank you for listening and thank you to Andy for the readings. Do join us again next week where we are continuing in Matthew 25 and Hazel leads the reflection and I hope that you will join us again for that as we sail very quickly into Advent and Christmas. Have a very blessed week and do check us out on social media. God bless.